Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Kevin Norcross, and I'm the pastor of Next Generation and Outreach. And yeah, looking forward to sharing God's word with you today, both of you uh, here in the building and watching at home. And uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. You can go ahead and turn to that now. We're going to read it in a, in a few minutes. Mark chapter 1, sorry, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. And uh, just kind of hold that place. Well, let's make one thing clear this morning. I am not an avid gardener, okay? I, I built this thing to kind of explain today's message, but it's not my spiritual gift. I'm not a gardener. Um, I managed to keep my grass uh, alive. Uh, Steve helps me out sometimes, my neighbor. But uh, I can keep my grass mostly alive. We ventured out and we purchased a few plants in our backyard, but they're the ones that you plant once and they come back every year and you basically have to do nothing to keep them alive. Um, two summers ago, we really ventured out and we bought a couple palm trees from Lowe's for like $20 each. And, and they're still alive. We're very proud of our plants. But my wife Kylie and I, we have five kids, three dogs, and the last thing we need is something else to feed and keep alive. So we're not the gardening type. But in front of me, you can see uh, this little garden that I made to explain our scripture today, and we'll be interacting with it. There's four different types of soil. This soil here, uh, you can see, is a path. It's uh, tamped down and it's hard. This one, full of rocks. This one, uh, thorns. They actually are thorns. You can come and touch them later. And this is the good soil. So these are the four types of soil that we're going to be talking about today. And with that background, I'd like to invite you to stand. And we're going to read Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And uh, so let's read that together. Here's what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While the people were gathering along the shore's water's edge, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Verse 9, Then Jesus said, He who has ears, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But, on, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, 
they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. All right. That was a big one. You can sit down. So I'm going to jump right into the big idea today. And surprise, it has to do with gardening, okay? To produce good crop, regular gardening is required. Like, wow, Kevin. Everybody knows that. It's very simple. Very simple, but as we dive into the truth, I believe that it's going to have a richer meaning for you. To produce good crop, regular gardening is, is required. We're going to go through verse by verse. By verse. We're going to take out a bunch of really good truths. And uh, my prayer is that God would have something for each and every one of you today. I learned a ton studying for this message, and that's my prayer for you. As you, we interact with Scripture, we learn and grow that God would put something in each one of your heart. So let's start with the first couple verses. Again, Jesus uh, began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat, sat out in the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. In his teaching, he said. So the place where this is taking, this is happening was in Galilee. Um, because the crowds were so large, Jesus had to go out into a boat to teach the crowd. Uh, and the fact that there was such big crowds uh, shows the popularity of Jesus' teaching. Also, Jesus wanted to do it in a setting where all people from all walks of life could come and hear the message that he was teaching. And he taught in parables. This was a common way that Jesus taught. This is a teaching style. Uh, it, it, teaching in parables uh, creates intrigue. It's easy to remember. Sometimes the parable can trigger a truth. Parables are not meant to veil or hide the truth, but they're meant to illustrate the truth. And Jesus taught in parables quite often. Verse 3, it says, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. So let's look at that word listen for a minute. Well, obviously people were listening. You're here, you're listening. There was a crowd like this, but he said, listen. And it implies that, uh, that some people in that crowd were not going to catch what was really being said. Uh, also, it shows the importance of what he was going to say. Now, when, as Kylie and I figured out parenting when the kids were little, there were times where we really needed to get through to our children. And what we would do is we would get down at their level, get their head in our hands, force them to make eye contact, and say, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Stop hitting your sister. But because we were loving, caring parents, our kids softened their hearts, they were tender, and they heard what we were saying. That's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. He wants them to hear it. Pay close attention. Listen, or you're going to miss what I'm saying. And I encourage you, church, to approach God's teaching that way. When you read your Bible, when you're in a setting like this, hearing teaching, when you're, when you're praying, be the type of, of Christ follower that is attentive and ready to listen and ready to absorb what God has to teach you. 
Now, the backdrop to this parable um, is rural Palestine, where farming was very familiar to everybody. So Jesus taught this parable about farming, and everybody understood what farming was. Um, the, the, and what would happen, the, par, the farmer would purposely scatter seed everywhere and then come back and plow it over so that the seed and the dirt mix together. Now, if it was kind of left alone for a few days, this type of situation would play out, this parable. Let's read the next few verses. Verse 4. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, some seed fell on good soil, came up, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, 100 times. So when the farmer would scatter the seed, some would fall on the path and the birds would eat it up. Some would fall on the rocks the sun, they kind of grow roots, but the sun would come and wither it up. Some would fall among the thorns, and it would try and grow, but it would be choked out by the thorns. And some fell on good soil. Now, the seed that is being sown here in this parable is the gospel. It is the message of Jesus saving grace. It is the word of God, and it's a call to repentance. And the soil represents people's hearts. Now, it gives us two perspectives in, in, in spreading the gospel. First of all, the understanding that there are different types of soil. The perspective of those sowing the seed and spreading the gospel, but also the perspective of those receiving the gospel. So the perspective of those spreading the gospel, understanding there's various conditions of people's hearts, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that more in a bit. The second perspective, those receiving the gospel truth, is both for the unbeliever and the believer. First of all, for the unbeliever, hearing the gospel for the first time. Perhaps hearing a sermon, perhaps seeing the gospel lived out in someone else's life, perhaps having a dream or a stirring in their heart through God's spirit, reading scripture, talking to a Christ follower. So the perspective of someone hearing the gospel for the first time, but also those who are hearing the ongoing message of the gospel, the believer. As Christ followers, we continue to learn and grow. Christ accepts us and he forgives us, but then we're a work in progress. We continue to be challenged by the word of God. And throughout our lives, we're challenged to, to make changes, to go deeper in our walk, to make adjustments along the way. And daily, we need to ask ourselves the question, what is the condition of the soil in my heart? We need to do regular maintenance on the soil so that good fruit can grow and produce good crop. So the main point of these few verses basically is the gospel must be preached no matter what the results are, no matter what soil it lands on. And you must do regular maintenance on your own soil. Verse 9, then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. Again, just like at the beginning, hey guys, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus has uh, his audience, their, their, their head in his hand saying, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. I don't think he said stop hitting your sister, but you get the point. Moving on to verse 10, 
When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So in this part of the the story, Jesus and the disciples had taught the crowds. They had left to a quiet place and they were kind of doing a debrief. It would have been like a football team in a locker room after a game talking about how things went. It would be like a bunch of youth leaders after a youth night. Hey, how did things go? Uh, Kind of breaking down how the evening went. And the disciples must have been asking Jesus, why do you teach like this? Why do you tell parables? Why do you teach uh, this way? And then Jesus responds with these next few verses. Now, as I was studying for this sermon, I read a commentary that said, Jesus' response to this question is one of the toughest few verses in the whole book of Mark. (laughs) And I was like, oh, great. Thanks, Charles. Thanks for uh, giving me this little scripture here. I really appreciate it. But it... uh, we're going to figure it out together. It's, it's thought-provoking, and it's, and it's really, really helpful. So we're going to figure out these few verses together. When I read these verses, or when you heard them today, or when you read them today, some of you, uh, like myself, when I first looked at them, felt kind of confused. Uh, at first glance, these few verses might uh, cause you to have a response like, hmm, something, something's not right here. You might look at these few verses and do what I call the squinty face of confusion. Why don't you turn to the person beside you and show them your squinty face of confusion. Go ahead and do it. Show them. Show them what you got. Sometimes when we, we look at scripture like this, we're like, oh, what? That doesn't sit right. That doesn't make sense. So what? At first glance, you might think, okay, so if I'm a believer, then I understand, but everybody else doesn't understand? Why would Jesus want them to perceive the truth, but not understand it? I thought Jesus wanted everybody to understand what he's saying. Why would he want them to hear the truth, but not understand it? And then what about this part? Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Hold on a second. I thought Jesus wanted everybody to be forgiven forgiven and hear the gospel and be saved. This is a good example of sometimes when you're reading scripture, you need to pause and you need to say, hmm. Everybody say that. Hmm. It's a point when you're reading and you're studying where you're like, I need to dig in here more. I got to figure out what's really going on. I got to find out what this portion of scripture is saying because it just, it's not making sense to my, uh, to my mind. So let's figure that out together. First of all, when you're trying to figure out a scripture like this, it's important to understand the words in their original context. First of all, that word secret. That word secret. When I hear the word secret, I think of little kids on the playground and ooh, Johnny's got a secret and he's not telling anybody. That's what comes to my mind. But that's not the way it was written. The word secret here comes from uh, the word mysterion, which we get the word mystery from. It doesn't mean that there's a secret that only a few are going to understand. It's proclaimed to all, but only those who have faith understand it. 
So this secret has been given to the disciples. This mystery has been given to the disciples because they believe Jesus by faith. But to those on the outside who are unbelievers, who have calloused hearts, who don't care, have hard hearts, they do not seek to understand. They could know this mystery, but they decide not to because their hearts are hard. There are people who don't understand the gospel because their minds are dull and unable to comprehend, because their hearts are hardened, because they are blinded by unbelief. They're too focused on, on the evil in this world and the distractions in this world to perceive the truth. So it's a mystery to those who don't understand, who don't want to understand, but it's perfectly plain to anyone who shows curiosity and seeks to understand. Then that next uh, uh, few words, those on the outside. There were outsiders back then, and there are outsiders today. Outsiders are people who would be called uh, persistent unbelievers, people who not only don't want to hear the truth, but they are against the truth in God's word. People who are advocating against the gospel. There are some people in your life where you try and share your faith with, or you live out your faith, and they lambaste you because of what you believe. And they think you're crazy. And they not only do that, they rally the troops and they come after you because of what you believe. That's the kind of people that, that it's talking about here, the outsiders. He is saying that there are people who are listening to his teaching that day that are just bad guys and they want to do bad stuff. They're outsiders. So I teach in parables so that they can stand there confused, scratching their heads. But everyone else who has a soft, tender heart and wants to learn, they can. Isn't that cool? Everybody say, Ah, oh, okay, now I get it. So he teaches that way so that these people who are anti-gospel against the move of God stay confused because they don't want to learn and grow. But people who are open can understand it. And then this last part, otherwise they will, be, they will turn, otherwise turn and be forgiven. Jesus is not saying, I'm teaching in parables so that people will not be forgiven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying they have hard hearts. Their hearts are hard. Otherwise, they would turn and be forgiven. So the fact that they have not turned from their sin and accepted the gospel is because their hearts are hard, it proves that they're outsiders, and it proves that they are against having an open heart to learn. So to kind of summarize these, uh, according to that one commentator, most difficult few verses in the book of Mark, basically, some people don't accept the gospel message because they have hard hearts and they don't want to hear it and they're actively trying to destroy it. So this is a good example of when you come across a portion of scripture like that, that doesn't mean the Bible's wrong. It means you got to dig in a little bit and uncover the truth and figure it out. And hopefully this little exercise this morning of doing that is, is helpful. It's okay to ask questions. Teenagers, it's okay to ask questions. Young believers, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, when you're reading your Bible, to do the squinty face of confusion and say, hmm, I got to figure this out. And by digging in and studying God's word, it comes alive more in your heart and you begin to see some of the truth that's in there. And God can lead you to that truth. I remember I was taught this when I was really young and it's always stuck with me. The same spirit who inspired those writers to, to write 
the Word of God, to write Scripture, the same Holy Spirit of God is the same Holy Spirit that is alive and well in your life today. And so when you read Scripture, approach it not like a textbook or a magazine or, or, or something online subscription. Approach it like the Word of God and say, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand it in a deep and powerful way? All right? So those were the tough verses. Now let's get into kind of the practical stuff. Verse 13. Uh, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And then he goes on to explain the parable. The farmer sows the word. So in the explanation of the, the, the parable, Jesus focuses on the condition of the soil that reflects the condition of different people's hearts. The seed is the word of God, the gospel message of Jesus, and we're talking about seeds that are sown. <clears throat> we as Christ followers have a mandate to share the gospel. Now, some of you think that that means you stand out on the street corner and you hand out tracts. That's not necessarily uh, the end of it. Don't be too narrow-minded when you think of sharing the gospel. You share the gospel each and every day. You sow seeds of truth in people's life. You have impact. People know you're different. They know you've got the fruit of, of Christ inside of you. And you are sharing the gospel each and every day. They know you. They know something's different about you. And I challenge you to live your life uh, out loud in front of people and seeds are being sown. Live your life, scatter that seed regardless of how people respond to it, regardless of what soil it falls on. If you sense resistance, recognize that's normal, and you keep sowing seed anyway. If you recognize a soft heart, lean into that relationship, lean into that friendship, and see where God leads you in sharing the gospel. And so Jesus talks about what happens to some people when they see, hear, uh, or watch God at work in your life. Verse 15, some are like seeds sown along the path where the word of God is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. So I've got some seed here and we're actually going to do it. So the farmer would come along and he would spread seed. Some would fall on the, uh, along the path. And so it says, if you throw seed here, then a bird will come and get it. <laughs> Just kidding. It does not have a chance to take root because the soil is too hard. The roots can't get in because the soil is too hard. It's been beaten down, it's rough, it's dry, and the roots just can't get in. Here's a thought. What might have happened to this type of person to make the soil so hard. <laughs> what must have happened to them in their life where they got beat up and trampled on and destroyed and got a hard heart? What must have happened that they felt walked all over at this point? Could be difficulties in this world, the effects of sin and evil all around us. They could have been hurt by someone. They could have been hurt by the church. They could have had bad experiences in their life. They could have just bought into this lie of Satan and thrown themselves into the things of this world and they have a hard heart. And the list goes on. Maybe when you sense resistance when you're sharing the gospel, God has brought you into the picture to maybe help them out a little bit. Maybe through your influence, maybe through the way you're living your life, God could use you to rake that soil up a little bit 
and make it tender and ready to receive God's truth. So God, how can you use me today? If you put someone in my life who might be soil like this, what are some ways that I can be used by you to see that soil softened? The next one, uh, verse 16, others like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word of God once, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. So in this scenario, the seed is scattered on the rocks and uh, it begins to take root, but the roots can't go very deep because it's rocky. Perhaps they would say that they're a Christian because their parents are, or they go to church uh, Christmas and Easter, or because they pray at dinner sometimes. Perhaps someone um, has a grasp of Christianity, but does not live it out. There's no roots established because their hearts are like rocks. The, uh, the gospel, the message of Jesus is just something on the side. So when trouble or hardship comes, they have no roots to, to last and they bail on it. Now, we have a problem as a church, but we also have an opportunity. And I'll explain it this way. Recently, Barna uh, did a study, the biggest study yet. They studied uh, 25,000 youth between the ages of uh, 12 and 17, and they did it worldwide. And they collected all this data about the youth and, and how they interact with the Bible, how they interact with Jesus, and how they interact with serving. As they dug into this study, they named the study Open Generation. According to Barna, this generation of youth today is the most open to the gospel that they've ever seen before. And they broke it down like this uh, in, in Canada specifically. Because of this um, study, Alpha is actually considering redoing their entire youth uh, 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 video series because of the study that they found. They, they uh, discovered that how youth interact with Jesus. This is Canada statistics. In Canada, 47% of youth in Canada would say, I'm a Christian by name. 47%, while only 13% consider themselves committed Christians. And then it uh, talked about how they relate to the Bible. Listen, 73% of teens in Canada are open to the Bible's teaching, while only 16% are engaged with it on a regular basis. We have, an we have a problem, but we have an opportunity. We have people out there, youth, who are thinking they're Christ followers, who are thinking they're open to the Bible, but there's only a small percentage who are actually committed. But we have an opportunity where we're realizing that youth are open and, ex and accepting to gospel truth. We have... Uh, you know, it's an example that so many youth in Canada it, it are in this situation where the seed has been scattered, there's openness, but there's no depth. So the enemy comes in and, and robs them. The sun comes and withers it out. We're thankful for the youth in our church that come on a weekly basis. We've got a great junior high ministry, senior high ministry. Our junior high students are up at Muskoka Woods this weekend uh, at, at a youth retreat. We're thankful for, for those who are coming each week. They are the 16%. They are engaged with scripture. 
But we're also wrestling as a youth ministry and as a church, how do we reach this open generation who are, who are open to the gospel? It's the, it's the rocky soil. The roots can't go deep and people wither away because of the sun. Let's keep going. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among the thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things come in and choke it out. So people in this scenario, when the seed is sown, there, there's soil there, so it takes root. But as it grows up, it gets choked out. And this is a reference to um, whatever distracts people from the word of God. It says worries of life. We can get overwhelmed by the things in this world. Anxious, not trusting God. Deceitfulness of wealth, getting wrapped up in money and, and relying on that rather than relying on God. The desires for other things, the distractions that this world has to throw at us. People are distracted by the things in this world and they don't make the effort to, to, to tend to their soil and get rid of the weeds. And then lastly, others like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word of God, accept it and produce the crop some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. So sometimes a seed falls on good soil. And what happens here is someone with a soft heart who's willing to accept the truth, the, the, the seeds grow and, and take root. Uh, their hearts are neither hard or preoccupied or shallow. The message of Jesus gets through and they recognize their need for a savior. They live a life of dedication and service to God and the, the crops grow and they produce uh, more crops and more seeds fall and more crops grow and it's multiplied some 30, 60, 100 times. They recognize their need for Jesus. So those are the four soils. Again, our big idea today, to produce good crop, regular gardening is required. We talked about how this parable is explaining two different types, uh, aspects of spreading the gospel. Number one, the perspective of those spreading the gospel. Number two, the perspective of those receiving the gospel, both those uh, receiving it for the first time and those receiving it ongoing. We also learned that while reading scripture, it's okay to say, hmm, right? And dig in a little bit on things. We reviewed that there's four types of, uh, of soil, the path, where the seed is sown, the birds come and eat it up. The rocks where uh, they don't get root and the sun withers it out. The, uh, the thorns where it, it, it grows a little bit and it's choked out by the things of this world. And then the, the good soil produces multiplying crop. Now, I'm almost done. But before we wrap up, I want to talk about our big idea. About regular tending to your soil. It's important as a Christ follower to constantly be looking after your heart and the condition of your heart. Again, I'm not a gardener. I'm far from it. But I do understand the basics of it, that you need to tend to your soil. You coming here today, you're tending to your soil. You're saying, I want to put myself in a good situation where, where God can uh, impact my heart, where God can teach me, where God can stir me. I encourage you to be active in your church. Be involved, served, get, get plugged in. We have this strategy here at West Park, PATH, uh, P, prioritize relationships. Spend time with other people. A, attend church. You're here today. Keep doing it. Don't abandon that. 
T, take time to, to give and to serve. Be active in your, your giving financially. Be active in your serving within the church. And H, hunger to know Christ. Have a vibrant day-to-day -day relationship with Christ. We're on this journey together. We're pursuing Christ. And that's all a part of tending to your good soil. Recognize that the enemy wants to stop God's work in your life. There are things that come into your life that will make you less fruit fruitful. And you got to get rid of them. God has a plan for your life. And it's the best plan for your life. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I share this almost every time I get the opportunity to preach. When I was a teenager, the biggest lie that I bought into is that I was going to youth group, I was reading my Bible, I was giving up all this worldly junk so that I could honor God with my life the best that I can. But what I thought as a teenager, I thought that I was uh, missing out on all the fun. I'd hear the stories of the parties, of the girls, of the, all the stuff that people were doing, and it felt like I was missing out as a young Christ follower. But as I grew older, I began to realize that these really cool people at school who did all this stuff were really broken and empty inside, and they were covering something up. I was living this life of freedom and joy and peace in God. And that's what John 10, 10 says. This life following Christ is the best life you could possibly live. It's hard. It's so hard. It's so challenging. But it is the best life because God created you to live that way. And that's what that, that verse is saying. You have to tend to your soil in order to keep it healthy and fruitful. Let's look at this soil uh, in relation to the path. Here I have my daughter's uh, croc. Did you know crocs are cool? Uh, I... I've been wearing Crocs for a long time, uh, but since before they were cool. So I don't know if that means I'm ahead of my time or if I was just really dorky for a long time. In the last couple of years, I'm cool. But anyways, this is my daughter's uh, Croc. What happens sometimes when you're tending to your soil is tough stuff happens. Tough stuff happens. Difficult things come into your life and their area of your life becomes hard. It could be a, a mistake that you made, a sin that you commit. It could be an area of compromise in your life. It could be buying into some uh, truth out there that's, that's not the gospel. Sometimes uh, from broken relationships or things that happen, your heart gets hard. And you need to recognize that and deal with it right away and pray and say, God, would you come and, and make my heart soft again so that I can be open and receptive to the gospel? Sometimes what happens is, is rocks come into your life and all of a sudden you're, you're spending your time in prayer and you're realizing, oh no, there's some rocks in my life. I've bought into some of the worries of this world or the things of this world. God, I got to get this right. And you repent and you pray and ask God for forgiveness and you say, God, please remove these rocks out of my life. Other times, I'm going to hurt myself. Other times, what happens? You be in a devotional time or a prayer time or a worship setting. You realize you've got some thorns in your soil. You're getting distracted. You're getting caught up in the things of this world. And you're trying to grow. You're trying to go deeper with God, but you just can't. What's going on? God, rescue me. Heal me. Set me free. Remove. 
ouch, remove those things from my good soil. Do you get what I'm talking about today? We have to do regular maintenance, regular gardening so that we keep our hearts soft. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be abrasive. Don't be mean. Be soft and tender. Be like that little child and allow Jesus to hold your, your, your head in his hands and say, listen, let him stir your heart through the power of his Holy Spirit and remove those things out of your life. I'd invite you just to close your eyes for a minute. So I want to give you an opportunity right now to tend to your good soil, <laughs> to tend to the soil in your heart. Take some time right now to reflect on what we learned today. Reflect on scripture to do some inventory. What's going on in your life? What kind of soil are you dealing with? Do you feel like there's an area of your, your heart that is, that is hard? Maybe it's been stomped on. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've had a loss in your life. Maybe some, you're going through something really tough. Guess what? God knows what you're going through. God cares what you're going through. God wants to heal you and help you and strengthen you. Perhaps you might be looking at your good soil and you see a rock in there and you're like, this is bad. I got to get this out. This, this is preventing good growth. Maybe it's an area of compromise, an area of sin. Uh, you're buying into some belief that's not true. Get the rock out. God, set me free and get rid of it. Perhaps as you're looking at your own heart and you're reflecting right now, you're realizing that there's some thorns in there. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to make an impact in this world, but I'm, I'm stuck. It's like I'm being choked. God, help me remove that thorn from my good soil. Take care of your good soil. Take care of your good soil that the gospel of Jesus, the powerful word of God, would produce great fruit in your life and impact others. Before I pray I just, and wrap up today, I want to give an opportunity to any of you who might not be a Christ follower, but today you've heard the message of Jesus. Today, God is stirring your heart and drawing you to him. And, and, and this word of Christ has been sown in your heart. And it's very simple, but it's very profound. It's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Today, would you say, I admit that I am a sinner and I need God's help. B, that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that there's no other way that I can be forgiven but by the cross of Jesus Christ. And C, would you commit your life to following him? Say, God, I want to live for you. I want to give my everything to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. If you want to receive Christ today, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can repeat it under, uh, in your heart or under your breath. There's nothing magical about the words, but what is important is your heart today. And if you are kind of got butterflies and your heart is stirring right now, and you're saying, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to accept this gift of Christ. Repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. 
Jesus, would you come into my life today? I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you conquered sin. I commit my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you today, I'd love to meet you uh, out there in the lobby after. There will be an elder down here at the end of the service. Um, the worship team's here ready to, to lead us. Let me pray for us one more time for today's word, and then we'll stand and we'll sing loud and we'll mean it from the bottom of our hearts. God, thank you for your word today. I pray that your word would sink deep into each and every heart. You spoke to each one of us today in a different way, God. And we accept your word. Let it get deep down inside our heart to produce great fruit. Bless your people. Bless your church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and let's sing loud and let's give it everything we got from the bottom of our hearts.